What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual convo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Well, welcome back to another episode of What the Actual Fork Podcast. Hi, Jenna. <laughs> Good morning, afternoon. What time is it? I'm still drinking coffee, so I don't even afternoon. know. Afternoon. <laughs> afternoon. Um, I feel like we were just laughing before we hit record because we're like, there's literally nothing else we can talk about right now because of what is going on in the social media world right now. And when this releases, hopefully it's a distant memory of yours. But... I was gonna say, we might have to release it like Friday just because this is urgent. Not really, yeah. but you know what I mean. I know it's just super relevant and I think it's important. And as I was trying to communicate, you know, a piece of our practice to Sam, she said, hold up, stop, let's have this conversation live. So Sam and I have actually never talked about this together. Um, and I think we just want to share this conversation for educational purposes for you all. And I think it's going to be great. <laughs> so I guess we should tell them what we're talking about. First. Good idea. You go first. I was going to say they probably would know because of the name of this episode, whatever we choose to name it. But um, so I put a video up on social media asking people, the first video was asking people comment below, like a diet you want me to debunk, right? Or you want me to talk about. And of course there's, you know, whole 30 paleo keto, like actual, like, like name names of diets, but then probably 50 plus people wrote calorie deficit, calorie deficit, calorie deficit. So of course I stitched, you know, the comment, or I put the comment in a video and talk about how I do not support someone intentionally restricting their calories, which would put them in an intentional calorie deficit. Now, maybe I didn't use the word intentional enough. I'm um, shaking I, my head like people can see me, but right? hey, YouTube followers. Yeah, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's like, that's definitely part of it. Because again, people then stitch my video and- Choose what they want to hear. Choose what they want to hear and misconstrue it. And apparently somehow this has ended up on like all of the big accounts of these bodybuilding, very- um, physique driven accounts. And so it, it's been like coming out of the woodwork, these people, which don't get me wrong. There are females that have reacted to it, but I would say 95 or not to 99% of the people are men that have their picture is literally them in the gym with a 12 pack flexing their muscles. And it makes me want to become a researcher on misogyny and diet culture now but anyways and, but I think it's this brings up so many good points that like one of the main things that we have to really just put out there is the audiences that 
you are speaking to, I am speaking to, and these people are speaking to are completely different. So the first of all, when people came to you and were vulnerable and saying like calorie deficit, they weren't saying, which Sam hasn't watched the videos I have, they weren't saying like walking more and you're unintentionally like burning more calories than you're eating. They were talking about feverishly tracking their calories through my fitness pal or macro tracking or whatever it was to be in a very restricted and intentional long-term caloric deficit for weight loss. And that is very different than what's being taken out of context of your videos from what I've seen. Like Everybody that knows you and follows this podcast knows the audience that we're speaking to and that you're specifically speaking to are people that have, whether it's macro tracked, calorie tracked, or dieted their whole life. And that act of being told to continuously be in a caloric deficit has impacted their mental health negatively. Like it's very different than people that are on a quote unquote weight loss journey with a macro coach. It's just different. <laughs> yes. And like I kept, I, like I said, I haven't really watched the videos because I just, for my mental health, like I'm not going to like go and like rebuttal these people. I guess we're talking about it now, which could be great for people to hear, but like the definition of deficit is the amount by which something is, is too small. Right. So that's the definition of a deficit. And when we're talking about a deficit here, like you said, an intentional deficit, you have to restrict your calories to be in a deficit. Like, And it's often extreme, right? So like, you're not talking about, like, I mean, what people are talking about online for weight loss, quote unquote, is there are these extreme measures that don't make people feel good. (laughs) Correct. And people were like, you don't know the difference between a restriction and a deficit. Yes, I do. But like to be in a deficit, you have to restrict. And again, my videos, I was talking about intentional restriction. Yes. Um, And that goes back to like, we kind of started with this is like, as how, before we started recording, Jenna said, like, we are not against people who lose weight with intuitive eating, right? We're not anti weight loss if it happens unintentionally. And that's where like, there's just not enough time in a world to describe all of this in a TikTok video. And again, once people stitch something, but so that's where I think people think I will shame them if they lose weight. I don't know. Or that I'm like against you. If you lose weight, like, I don't give a fuck if you lose weight because weight loss isn't the goal, right? If you're, if you're on an intuitive eating journey, your body and to think too, like, we know like your body is always going to change. Like just because you lose weight, maybe in the first few months of intuitive eating doesn't mean you're not going to gain weight a year from now or maintain weight, right? We have no idea how the body will react. So, and one of the things too, that I think I've actually, I've talked about previously in a video, I don't remember what platform anymore, but there, there's an impact of weight cycling that most people don't talk about, especially in that space that we know and we have research on that really has negative impacts on your health. And so who I know is commenting calorie deficit on your posts are people that have jumped from diet to diet and gone up and down, up and down, up and down over time. That's not health promoting. So all of these people that comment back saying like, you know, it's for the health, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's just so much more to it. And I think it's so unfair how out of context it has become. But 
with that said, we were kind of chatting before about, you know, people's goals and coming into our practices. And I would love to hear personally, just like more from you on how you redirect those conversations, or if you do, or if you just straight up say, you know, I'm not the gal for the job. <laughs> yes. Well, I also want to make a note on what you just said is like anyone that says they're concerned about health for any other person's weight, that's fucking bullshit. Like, that's just fat phobic. Like you shouldn't. Now, if we want to talk about like, let's say you're talking about somebody else and their behaviors and this person has come to you and said like, I don't drink enough water. I feel terrible when I don't move my body. I need to go, you know, to a therapist for stress management. And you're talking about those behaviors. That's totally different. But any of these people that have commented that try to bring it back to health, like that's fat phobic because we know that weight doesn't equal health, but that's besides the point. Um, so I believe you asked about, okay, someone comes into your practice and says, I want to lose weight, right? Will you work with me? I want to be an intuitive eater, but I want to lose weight. Um, it comes down to, yes, of course we can work on behaviors and all of those things with them. But if someone still says, yeah, that's all great, but I want to lose weight, then I will say, I'm not the right person for you. There's just, it, I've done that enough. And we can go back to our episodes of fence straddling days with Fiona and all of these things where I've worked with people enough to be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll work on health promoting behaviors, but if they still want that pursuit of, in, of weight loss intentionally, it will always come back and bite you in the ass. I just think that's a really important thing for people to hear. Again, I, I've I was doing my own deep dive. And I think there are some people out there that are like, well, it's not ethical to turn people away that want to lose weight. And I think what you just described is you're standing true to your highest morals and values by saying, I'm not the right person for that job. And I don't think that there's anything more ethical than that. So thank you for explaining that. I feel like I'm the moderator of this conversation. I know because you know, like the in-betweens, but I mean, and you're the same way. Like you're, if someone says, Jenna, all, I don't give a fuck about health. I just want to lose weight. Are you going to work with them? You know, the reality is, is that I don't get those people that come to my practice exactly. anymore, right? Exactly. And so, but I will say like, we do get quite a few applications and I work very closely with a gym as well, right? Where weight and physical body is a goal of many people. And so what I will say is I'll be super honest, like in our practice, we're not going to talk about your weight, but your body might change. I just don't know right? It's not going to be what we discuss. We're going to talk about health promoting behaviors. We're going to talk about supporting your health, making sure you're eating enough, you know, improving your water intake, your sleep, all of the things that we've talked about before and your physical body may change. I just don't know how or when yes. or what, right? Exactly. Because I don't have a crystal ball, but the reality is, is that like, because of my past and who I used to work with, like there are still conversations where that comes up, but it's few and far between. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where I think, yeah, that if anything, that's super ethical. And I, I did not watch the whole video. Like I like laugh at this. Like it's bad because I think this is hilarious that somebody would quote me for eatright.org, a organization that I've made explicitly clear that I'm not proud of in any way, shape or form. Their, their literal website is eat right. Like, which 
we literally don't talk about a right or wrong way of eating, right? And so for someone to call out ethics, when I get literal emails from eatright.org asking me to, to come to the newest level of their obesity training, when that's something that I directly disagree with and openly would talk to anyone at the academy with, I, I find it funny. I, I truly do. Um, and I think you and I have talked on how many podcasts of how so many dietitians are rooted in diet culture because of what we've learned in school, right? Um, in our internships, whatever it is, how much of health and the medical field is weight centric. So it's just, it's baffling that someone thinks that's even an argument, but it is what it is. I think that the field itself has grown and it's changed. And we, as dietitians, part of the ethics code of conduct as a dietitian is to stay a bridge to the research, to understand all sides of the story and to speak ethically to your audience, conveying your message. So your message is not about weight loss. So you do like- Never will be. Right. And so that, I mean, that's like null and void, but- yeah, I think it's just like such a broad conversation that leads into a deeper conversation about the nuance of this field and why things like social media can blow up in your face and be so far from the reality of what the message was. And I think that's really scary. Yeah. I don't know. It is and it isn't because and I don't know, everyone's going to react to the situation differently. Right. But I think this goes back to our episode with Evelyn Triboli of like, only talk to someone if they're reachable and teachable. And I could easily put up like stitched videos to these dudes and try to, you know, convey this message, but they're going to go back to, no, 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 you said this. And it's like, is that going to help anything? You know what else is really interesting? Like, I know we're talking about a lot of like gym people and like fitness trainers perhaps but like there's also a lot of like research-based people that try to have this argument not with you specifically but that I've seen and I think one of the biggest things I was talking to my husband about this last night but I think one of the biggest misses is when you are strictly research driven and you're reading papers and you're interpreting evidence and research all day long, but you're not actually working with the humans that experience the stigma, that experience the fat phobia and the fat shaming and the depression and anxiety and all of the mental health issues that come because of society and the research, right? If you are just the researcher and you don't have that experience, you don't have the empathy to understand how to convey a message that includes all perspectives. Does that make sense? Total sense. I love, I love that you brought that up because that, and and to think about too, the bias that is so evident in research and that we know that a lot of studies, specifically any studies that are linked to I'm going to use air quotes, obesity, because I don't like to use that word, but they don't account for psychological or behavioral implications, which is basically eating disorder, like you were saying. So it's sure you can track like the air quotes, heavy air quotes, health of someone and and show what you want to show, but we don't know how their psychological or like mental health was impacted. And so that's, 
And that's where, again, when we have these conversations, like health doesn't equal weight. Health has so many factors to it. We look at the determinants of health and then we can deep dive into that research of genetics and biology, environment, the medical care that you receive. I mean, there's so, you know, all of that in addition to your behaviors. So there's just, it's such, like you said, it's such a nuanced conversation. Um, And then it's funny because if we go back to why we're talking about this, people just hop on a train when it's hot on social media, right? So one gym bro stitched my video, got a huge, you know, uptick from it. So now all the other gym bros are going to come running and let me say my, you know, fact on this. And we, we probably all do it as intuitive eating dietitians too, right? Because we'll see some bullshit that someone posts like eating a raw brain, right? Didn't we all stitch that one? I don't even know who the guy is. Can't even give him credit for his work, but he was literally eating a raw no brain. No credit is due. Yeah. Right. A raw brain with like eggs. So of course we know that if we stitch that, it's going to do well, right? Because who the fuck eats a raw brain? Um, so, you know, I hope that brain guy's doing all right. Um, but it, it's the same kind of I, shit. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think, again, like the population of who we're talking to also matters. And of course, on TikTok, because you like certain things, because you have interests outside of your work, you're going to be brought to different audiences, right? Yes. And it doesn't mean the only people that follow you have an eating disorder, disordered eating. It means that you're content can be out there to so many more people than your specific audience. But I think it's also so important that you recognize that everything, not you, that everyone listening recognizes that the things that we're putting out there have a very specific audience. However, ethically, they're health promoting for all humans right? And like, that's the difference. And not all humans need to be carnivores. That was like another argument that I I heard. Um, But all humans should have a healthy relationship with food. (laughs) Like, you know, like there's a, there's a difference there. That's really hard again, to convey in a 60 second message. Yeah. And it, it goes back to, I think, I think a lot of it's rooted in fat phobia because people will say, well, caloric deficits are health promoting because you need to be at a lower body weight or be in a smaller body to be healthy. And that's just not true. And so, you know, like you said, hopefully one day this will just be a a distant memory, but for now, you know, it is what it is. And it's, it's a, it's a moment for me to definitely step back and to, to learn, but I will never be using the hashtag calorie deficit ever again on TikTok. <laughs> I have learned that you don't want to end up on that side. And that, like you said, that's what I was thinking about when you said the audience thing, because like, I usually only use the hashtags, right. That like are appropriate yeah. are looking for, and the people that want my content are going to be searching. So I think maybe I used a few too many diet culture hashtags that just did not land well. Yeah. And I mean, look, I, I've told you this before, but I think the way that you handle these situations is really admirable. Um, and like you said, it's a lesson to be learned. And at the end of the day, people will hear what they want to hear. What do they call that confirmation bias? Um, it doesn't matter, you know, 
anything you put out there, somebody only hears what they want to hear. And that's the world that we live in. <laughs> yep. That's, that's social media for you. Yeah. Um, so anything else we want to say on this topic or, or bring to light here? Yeah, I just think at the end of the day, those of you that are listening and have listened and are here, we appreciate you. And I hope you all know and understand that our message is very clear that it's all about your health when you come onto our pages. Um, and yeah, if you see something that is stitched out there, it just keeps scrolling. Just keep scrolling and, or stay a while and report it. You never know, whichever <laughs> report, block, delete, repeat. That's just the name of the game these days. And, uh, and I think it's important to realize, and again, I feel like we could go on every tangent here, but health isn't a moral obligation, right? No, it doesn't need to be for some people. No. And, uh, and that's where the amount of comments coming through on my page are like, if people would just eat less and move more, I was like, Oh my gosh, no, like it's 2022. We're not still saying this, but I think it, it, it also kind of scared me and made me realize how like we stay in our bubbles, right? We stay in our, with our audiences. We have the people that are saying this similar things to us or know the research of intuitive eating and health at every size. And that just made me realize and something I texted Anna to this morning for those of you who are listening Anna's like our wing woman um someone on the fine food freedom team I said can you imagine what would be happening if I put that video out and I was in a larger body what would be going yeah. on because it already spread that far and wide just saying what I said but how many creators are we friends with that reside in larger bodies that get so much hate for what they're saying um and you know that is just it it was very interesting to experience and see and um just crazy to think about how much work still needs to be done of course and it's so sad and I was on a um a webinar yesterday with Horizon Milk. Hi guys, um, sponsor us. <laughs> um, but I was on this great presentation and a pediatric doctor, one of the comments that she made and somebody asked, you know, like, what do you do if the parents in the room, you know, when you're educating children, say something about how they don't have dairy or whatever it was, because it was specifically a dairy conversation. And her motto was, um, educate, don't debate. And I just loved that. I thought that that was like really a cool thing to say. I thought I've adapted it as my own uh, motto now <laughs> from today forward, but I posted a video this morning where in the past I would have like really ripped this person a new one. Um, but instead was like, okay, educate, don't debate. So this person put up a, a video of the top 10 worst foods for children, right? They're the very typical standard, you know, that foods that people want to hate on. And my rebuttal on the education on that is like, what is the alternative? So like when you put out content like this, that's like so polarizing and so like making people that eat those foods feel so bad, like the alternative for these families that that maybe that's all that they can afford is their kids don't eat. And then they start developing a poor relationship with food. Right. So that becomes disordered eating and an eating disorder as they age and all from saying that they can't have Oreos or Skippy peanut butter. Like it doesn't make sense. And so the world that we live in right now, like not everyone has access to whole foods. 
right? Or to Air One in California or to be able to live and continuously feed their family higher end products that at the end of the day, it's the exact same thing as the generic brand. Like, why are we polarizing these things that are literally sustaining people's lives. Like I, I can't wrap my head around that. So to pull this full circle, like as dietitians, our jobs are not to tell you what to eat. <laughs> our jobs are to help you feel good. And like, I feel like that's a big miss right now. And it's really frustrating. That's a huge, huge point to hit home. And I think that comes into the whole like wellness culture, you know, hierarchy of foods. I mean, we could even, if we bring it back to the calorie deficit, thinking about, okay, <laughs> why not? Right. Well, cause I think about how people are, are quite, that, that's basically saying like, you should be in a calorie deficit to lose weight, to better your health. Right. That's their argument. Well, accepted. yeah. And there are many people that reside in larger bodies that are food insecure and they can't put themselves in a calorie deficit. They're, they're already, they, they can't get access to food. So there's just there's just so many different ways we could look at this. And it just, it is, there's days. And I know you and I have talked about this off air. There's days where you're just like, what, what, why am I here? Like, what am I, I doing? What am I saying? Um, when are we going to start talking about mom content? Oh, we will. <laughs> Don't you worry. As I sit here, I turn my pump off. I just have my pump sitting on my boobs, just talking. Um, but it's, there's so like, it's so helpful to have people like you or just dietitians in our field that we can talk to because there's days that it's like, why do I even show up? Like, and there were definitely voices in my head yesterday that if I would have continued to watch videos, like you can get so down, like, why would I do this? Why am I going to show up? But you're showing up for the people in your corner, for the audience that needs to hear your message. And like you said, there's nothing more ethical than serving the people that you know that you can serve um the best of your with life. real information like people are acting like you made up this information like you I would love if this was all you but like intuitive eating and promotion of health through behavior management is not uh CO Sam Previtt like I would love it's that been around, right it's been around 30 years or more but like the reality is is that nutrient I think nutrition education coming from how to be the most well-liked person out there is a dime a dozen, right? Mm -hmm. There was a video earlier this week. I think I, Elena, I don't never know her last name, but I love her. E.P. Freed on <laughs> E.P.E. on TikTok. I love you, Elena. But she and I both stitched the same video from a dietitian that I used to absolutely idolize. I don't know if you saw it, but um, Carrie Glassman, who is a dietitian, she has the Nutritious Life School, put out a video out there and I'm not bashing her at all. I'm saying I have a different opinion. I want to make that very clear. But she put out a video about bad foods, about how there are bad foods, right? And I just, I believe in my heart that as a dietitian, it's not our jobs to take out the morality out of this conversation, it's not our job to tell people which foods are healthier, quote unquote, than others. I think most people that we talk to understand that kale has more nutrients than a donut, right? From yeah. like a nutrient density perspective. Absolutely. 
micronutrient density, right? Because the donut has more calories. Um, but at the end of the day, like I think most people we talk to will be able to identify that in a line of foods, like which one has the most vitamins and minerals. That's not our role as dietitians. Our role is to help people understand how to eat both of those foods and have no guilt or shame attached to it. And I think that's the message that I keep trying to put out there that maybe I'm not saying it properly and maybe this longer format is a better way to do so. But the reality is, is that we need to educate people that their health choices are a choice and all foods make you feel something. You are the only person that can decide which ones make you feel your best. And in that process, heal your relationship with all of them. Right? Absolutely. Like why is putting good and bad why is putting good and bad on the food choices? Like, how is that helping? Right? It's not at all. Absolutely. And I mean, that's right. When we think about intuitive eating and morality with food and, you know, principle number three, make peace with food. That's exactly what that hits home. But it, I, I think it comes back to when we go back to education and, uh, you know, schooling and universities and what we're learning, like you and I talk about our experience of what we learned in school and we kind of learned that you know? Right. And so it, it, it takes unlearning. It takes having courage and, you know, speaking out against these kind of things and working with people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it comes back to that empathy of like, until you work with the people that are struggling so much about, you know, what to eat when they're not home or when they're home until you work with that, that person to help them guide through and like peel away the stress that they feel about having a piece of pizza or not, like you really don't know the impact of the words that you're saying on social media. Yes. Or their like lifestyle. Because I remember you, I remember you brought this up in an episode where you're like, you're like, I remember when I would tell people before you had Noah to like have a morning routine and like do certain things. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, that's not possible. Like, you know, depending on how many kids you have. So it's like the mornings that I wake up because he's screaming in his bed and like that's my alarm clock I'm like oh hell is breaking loose (laughs) like yep totally get that totally feel that right now and so I think it comes down to too like it's so individualized right it can't even be just the fact of um obviously like availability to things and privilege but then also just person to person like how different things are so oh And what's healthy for one person might not be for somebody else. And like, that's what you're saying with the individualization. But like, that's also something to remember, like health is not black and white on a line. Like this is healthy. This is not like, it's, it's just not. Yeah. And everybody's definition of health and healthy is going to be completely different. And I'm sure you, this is a really powerful exercise to do with clients. And I'm sure you've done something like this where you say, okay, what was your definition of health? when you started working with me in this practice, right? And then, you know, however many months or or years later, okay, what's your definition of health now? It's completely different. Completely. I used to have people do that with healthy, happy, and strong. (laughs) But because like I love that. Because it's it can be so different. Like I use myself as an example. Like strong to me seven years ago was completely different than strong now. You know? And like the difference. Tell us. 
so back then it was all about my physical body and today it's mentally strong and it's physically strong because I want to be able to hold Noah's babies one day, right? Like that's what I think about. We have Matt and I had a conversation this morning, our dog walker, who I love so much. He's struggling with some knee pain and some ankle pain. And he has expressed that like, maybe he didn't exercise like his whole, like in his past, but he walks so much now, but like the act of physically moving your body is a gift and being able to do that for the long run. Like that's something we have to think about as a health promoting behavior. Like I want to hold my baby's grandchildren one day. And like to do that, that's my definition of strength. And like, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning to walk and to move and to pick up my 30 pound toddler, like up and down the stairs, right? Like that's important to me. But back then exercise was about what I looked like. And it's just really not what I think about today. Yes. I love that. I knew it was going to be so powerful. So it's like, tell me me more about that, Jenna. Um, And I think, yeah, I think this conversation is much needed and in many different ways. And I think it's knowing for people listening, knowing when you're looking at content, is it making you feel pleasant? Is it making you feel unpleasant, right? Is it relating to what you want your definition of health to be? Or is it the opposite, right? And getting rid of what doesn't serve you. And I'll use myself as an example. We've lost hundreds and hundreds of followers in the past 24 hours. And I think maybe that's a good thing. Like maybe they were following me and they were like, oh no, I want to restrict my calories. I want to be an intentional calorie deficit and I want intentional weight loss. Great. You have full body autonomy to do that. And if you ever get to a place where you're like, I don't want to do that anymore. My relationship with food sucks. Or I, you know, my relationship with my body is very negative. Then we'll always be here. Um, But Everyone listening to this, you have full autonomy to do whatever you want. You know what's best for you. But if you get to a point where you're unhappy with your relationship with food and body, then we're here. Always. Not going anywhere. I love that. I'm so happy we cleared this up because I think this conversation took so many different turns. And I think it's so important to understand like the you that you are behind a video and to understand you and me, but also to understand like, we are also a product of this environment of what goes viral. It's not like, hi, you should not focus on this and you should vote. No, nobody watches that. Like they scroll right past it. Like you have to do something to get people's attention. And unfortunately, you know, when that's taken out of context, it doesn't give the best I don't know what the right word would be. It doesn't give the best picture of the whole story. And I think this conversation is so needed for people to truly understand like the intention behind the choice to make the video. Yes. And I never thought that me talking about a calorie deficit would (laughs) end up like this, but yet here we are. Um, I'm like sweating. (laughs) But it's... I'm I'm glad, like you said, I'm glad we talked about it. Um, it's, there's no way to even respond to it. Like you said, I think this longer platform is a great way because it took different twists and turns. There's no way to, to respond to any of the people that stitched the video in a three minute video, because no. there's so much that goes into this. Um, but I'm glad we did it and you too. we'll be here. Nothing's changing over here. Uh, anything else we should be talking about in this episode or do we cut it here? 
I think, you know, we can, we can let it go, but I also just want to say this is the first time you and I are hopping on a solo pod in so long um, that I just want to let all of our listeners know that you can expect more of these because we, we have great conversations and we have a lot we want to talk about, whether it's mom content, you know, routine changes and also the nutrition space. And I know we put out on social media recently, if you have any topics you want us to cover, please feel free to DM us, DM the, what's the actual fork pod Instagram page and let us know what it is that you want us to talk about. Um, because we want to share more of that with you and give you guys life updates too. Cause there's so much going on. There's so much going on, but I love that you said too, like this solo pod, we have really great conversations. And that's why whenever you asked me a question, I was like, stop, let's so just hit record. Like, <laughs> it's like, and that's, that's what we want is like, we want these conversations that aren't maybe as much of an interview as they are just like off the cuff, what we would be talking about if we didn't hit record. Right. So, um, which we do and we should record all of them. I know we just need to record all the conversations. <laughs> Anytime basically. we talk. <laughs> yes. So definitely let us know what you think about this episode. Feel free to send us a DM on our Instagram at what the actual fork pod and we'll see you soon. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all your friends and faves and follow along with us on social at What the Actual Fork Pod. We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have while fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you, we appreciate you, and we will see you next week for a lot more fun.